As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. This is Wednesday night, and tonight we're going to talk about Moses. Moses. Can't you just hear that in the old movie? <laughs> Moses. It's going to be good tonight. You're going to learn some things about Moses tonight, possibly that you've never heard before. And the reason I'm loaded to the gill with new information is because I just taught a brand new series, which is going to be on TV soon called Moses and the Ten Plagues. I mean, that series is so jam-packed. I feel like I am running through the material. I just don't know how to get it all in. There's so much about Moses. My producer said, you know what? You have introduced me to a Moses that I never knew. You've made him so real to me. And Moses was a real man who woke up to the call of God. And by the way, it took him a while to wake up to the call of God. It took him about 40 years, just the very first time the call of God began to be roused in him. Then another 40 years in the wilderness before he met God and really understood his assignment. Altogether, it took 80 years. Anyway, it's going to be really good tonight. Hey, Paul. Hi, everybody. I have some good news. What? I just heard on the radio this morning that Russia is reopening flights to Egypt. Really? That means that we can go to Egypt soon to do stand-ups. I'm ready. I am really ready because... I was just thinking yesterday, I want to do a series on the banks of the Red Sea, on the parting of the Red Sea. I can do a whole week on the Red Sea. It's just going to be awesome. I'm telling you, the Bible is so powerful. That's why I'm praying for a revival of the Bible in people's lives. And when you become a partner with our ministry, you're helping us take the exciting, life-transforming teaching of the Bible into people's lives. The older I get, my respect for the Bible just gets more and more and more profound. Do you know there's a pastor in the United States who this week announced that the Bible is not inspired, that it's just a collection of human experiences? That guy is a nutty pastor. Every member of his church ought to walk out. The Bible is the living Word of God. Don't diminish the Bible. The Bible is wonderful. Amen? Amen. But anyway... We want you to have the download for this week's series that we're teaching, which is called God's Hall of Faith. This is what I'm teaching in the regular TV program, and we're discussing it this week in Home Group. It's free, so please go get yours and order the whole series. I'm telling you, this series is just powerful. And I told you guys last night the response on social media and YouTube has been amazing. People are saying... We have never heard faith taught like this. So encouraging. And tonight we're going to be talking about Moses. And remember that if you need prayer, we're here for you. We want to pray for you. Just write to us, prayer at renner.org, or call us 1-800-742-5593. When we hear from you, we're going to begin to really pray for you. But Denise, you look so pretty in your blue tonight. Well, thank you, Rick, and home group welcome. I know that you are enjoying these home groups. I certainly am. I love last night. So if you didn't see that, please go to the archives because it will just build your faith. But we love you. And it, again, if you're in a dire situation right now, 
don't forget that God is there with you and just look up and take a hold of his power and every promise that you know, because this is an opportunity for you to see his power. God works best in impossible situations. Oh, I like that. Maxime, welcome to Home Group. I'm so thankful to be here. I'm happy we'll be talking about Moses. Uh, <laughs> It's wonderful that there are flights to Egypt, and we can go and film there. And last year, we were supposed to go to Greece, and we did all the work. We got all the permissions, and then the shutdown happened. But we're going to go to Greece, so people that are with you, Pastor Rick, they will be seeing lots of new stand-ups. Well, I want to say something about our international travels to film for television. That may sound very far away to you and very exotic. It's all about two hours from here. In about the same time that I could fly from Tulsa to Atlanta, it's about the same time for us to fly from Moscow to Israel to Turkey to Greece to Cairo. It's all about two hours, two and a half hours. It's not a big deal because of where we live, and we go very inexpensively. If you saw how we travel and how we work, I think you would be quite stunned. We work like horses when we go on those trips. One ministry said to me, well, when we go out and do stand-ups, we try to do two, maybe three in a day. You know what our goal? Our goal is to do 25 to 30 in a day. We really want to get a bang for our buck, maximize every moment, because we want to show people all these biblical sites. So we really work hard. Pray for us. But Paul, welcome to Home Group. Thank you. I'm so glad that you guys are here with us. And please write in the comment section and tell us where you are joining the Home Group from. But I'd like to remind you about our offer that we're making, uh, offer that is now available in the normal daily TV program. That is Sparkling Gems number one. And yesterday and day before yesterday, I read from Sparkling Gems number one. And since we're talking about Hebrews, I found a little bit about Hebrews chapter 11, verse six now in that, Sparkling Gems number two. Isn't that amazing? Almost every verse we cover in the New Testament, you can find something about it in those books. Yes, and I've actually used it to prepare for messages. So, May 7th in Sparkling Gems number two, and if you're wondering, that's page 445, is called, What Does Diligent Look Like? So, yesterday in Sparkling Gems number one, we saw that we need diligence to please the Lord, and in Sparkling Gems number two, we talk about what does diligence look like? So, Turns out you need both Sparkling Gems number one and Sparkling Gems number two. Well, open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. We're talking about the behavior of faith. And tonight we're going to talk about the story of Moses. Faith was involved in the life of Moses really beginning before he was even born. Because when you read the story in the book of Exodus, you find that, of course, Joseph had been in Egypt. And when Joseph was in Egypt, his family came and guys, he settled them in the land of Goshen. The land of Goshen was on the right seventh branch, the eastern branch of the Nile River in the Delta. Today it doesn't exist because the river's moved around and today there's only two branches. But back in those days, it was on the eastern branch, the seventh branch of the Nile River in the Delta. And it was the best land in all of the Delta. And of course, Joseph was the second in command in all of Egypt. So when his family came, he gave them the very best territory. They were shepherds, so he gave them the most luscious land. Now, what is interesting is many people say, well, there's no record in Egyptian history 
that the people of Israel were ever in Egypt. Well, in the Cairo Egyptian Museum, there is one steel. A steel is a big stone slab that does refer one time to Israel. And it appears that's the only name of Israel that ever occurs in any Egyptian history. However, in Egyptian history, they wrote a lot about the Canaanites who lived in the Delta. Well, where did Israel come from? From the land of Canaan. They were talked about the Asiatic, Asiatics. That's the people that came from the land of Canaan. And they wrote a lot about the shepherd people. It's talking about Israel. That's who was living in the land of Goshen. And they were very, 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 very prosperous. But eventually, Joseph died. And when he died, a new Pharaoh came to power. I believe the new Pharaoh probably was Tutmosis I. And he had forgotten about Joseph and the contributions of Joseph. And the people of Israel were so prosperous that the Egyptians were jealous of their prosperity. They had prospered in the land of Goshen. It is amazing. They were wealthy. Uh, Josephus writes about it, tells us because they were hardworking people that they had increased their goods and their belongings. And the Egyptians were jealous of it. And the Egyptians were worried that there were so many of them because if the Hittites came and fought against Egypt and the people of Israel joined themselves to the Hittites, it would be a monumental force. And so the first plan of Jewish extermination began. And the Pharaoh said, we've got to curtail the growth of the Jews. We're going to start killing the babies. But there's something else. There was a prophecy at that time. And it was a very well-known prophecy in Egypt. And Pharaoh was deeply disturbed by the prophecy. And we know about the prophecy because Josephus, who is the greatest Jewish historian that ever lived, his writings are so reliable that today Israel still depends on the writings of Josephus. And Josephus tells us there was a prophecy in Egypt at that time that a male child would be born who would become a deliverer for his people in the land of Goshen. Well, when Pharaoh heard this, he was so disturbed, he said, kill all the baby boys. No deliverer is going to be born. And he gave the order for all the midwives to drop the babies into the river Nile after the mothers had given birth. The mothers sat on stools. They didn't lay down flat when they gave birth. They sat on stools. They pushed. They gave birth. And they always did it next to the waters of the Nile because then they could immediately put the baby into the Nile and wash the baby of all the afterbirth. And the order was just drop them in the Nile and let them drown. But keep the girls alive. We'll assimilate the girls into the Egyptian population. But we've got to kill all these baby boys. So that's what was happening at the time of Moses' birth. So when Moses' mother became pregnant, her name was Jochebed. We know that because the Bible tells us. When she became pregnant, already they had to use their faith. Because if she gave birth to a boy that boy was going to be killed. Now, she had at least two previous children. She had a son by the name of Aaron, and she had a daughter by the name of Miriam. So Moses was at least the thirdborn. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. And we know because of the writings of Josephus that the Pharaoh had said, if any parents 
try to conceal the birth of a male child, not only will we kill the male child, we will kill the parents and we will kill the entire family. So when they made the decision to hide Moses when he was born, not only were they breaking the king's orders, they were jeopardizing their life and the lives of all of their other children. But they had a word from God. They did. The Bible says they saw he was a proper child. Well, what does that mean? Well, the word proper means remarkable, unusual, extraordinary. There was something different about this child. They could see at the moment that he was born, and there is something else that we're told by Josephus. Josephus tells us that during the night, Moses' father, whose name was Amram, had a dream in which God told him this baby would be used and his name would be used, would be remembered for all generations. Well, that's absolutely the truth. Everybody remembers Moses. They can't even remember the Pharaohs who ruled. People have to really work hard to figure out who was the Pharaoh that was alive, but everybody remembers Moses. And he had a word from God. He had a word from God. And so they had a word from God, this was a special baby. And that's why by faith, it took faith to do this. They were jeopardizing the whole family. They hid their fam the baby for three months because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. But the Bible says when they could no longer hide Moses, they placed him in a basket and set it afloat on the Nile. Let's read what the Bible says. Are you guys ready? Let's read it. Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith Moses. I'm sorry, let's go back a little bit earlier. Uh, in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15 and 16, they put Moses in an ark of bulrushes. Well, guess what? The word ark, what does that mean to you, Denise? Ark? Uh-huh. Well... They probably knew about Noah. Exactly. It is the same word used to describe Noah's ark. It is the only time up to this moment in the Bible that these two words are used. Well, the people of Israel knew the story of Noah. She didn't put him just in a basket. She put him in an ark. They fashioned something that looked like what they believed the ark looked like. And just like the ark carried Noah and his family and preserved them, and Noah became a deliverer and the progenitor of the human race. When she put her little baby in that ark and let loose, she was believing he was being carried to become a deliverer, that through him their race would be extended. That was an ark of deliverance. And my friends, she trusted God that when she released that ark into the currents of the Nile, the Nile would be guided by the providence of God to take that baby where he needed to be. And I want to say it's very hard to release your kids. But there comes a moment when you have to release your kids into the care of God and believe that God will guide those kids to where they need to be. And the ark just happened to show up right there where Pharaoh's daughter was coming down to bathe. And you know the story, she took Moses into her house. Well, what happened to Moses? Well, Miriam, the sister of Moses, was watching this whole event. And the daughter of Pharaoh said, oh, it's one of the Hebrew children. And she called him Moses. The word Moses is not a Hebrew name. Did you think it was? It's an Egyptian name. 
It was given to Moses by an Egyptian princess. The whole family was Moses. Tut Moses the first, then there was Tut Moses the second, Tut Moses the third. To name him Moses fit into the whole family. Moses means drawn from the water. Well, the Egyptians believed that the Nile was the birthplace of the gods, that the Nile produced gods. And when she saw this little baby in a basket, miraculously floating on the water, this is so unusual, even though she knew it was one of the Hebrews' children, she generally believed that the Nile was giving to her the next god of Egypt. And Moses was raised to be the next Pharaoh, and he was treated like a god all of his life. But Miriam said, hey, you need a Hebrew mother to raise this child. I'll go get you one. He, she went and got Jochebed, who was Moses' mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said, take him, feed him, and bring him to me at the appropriate moment. So it is likely that Jochebed kept her own son for the first five years of his life. Well, what are we told in Proverbs 22, verse 6? If you raise a child in the way he should go, when he gets old, he will not depart from it. She took advantage of those five years. She poured the Word of God into that little boy. And at the age of five, it would have been difficult, but she brought that little boy to Pharaoh's daughter, and the Bible said she named him Moses, the gift of the Nile, and he became her son. And at least from the age five to the age 40, so for 35 years, Moses lived in the palace. He was reared to be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. And being that kind of a person, Egypt believed that he was a god, which means no one was even allowed to look into the face of Moses. Egyptians would not look into the face of a god. We know he was mighty in words and deeds, Acts chapter 7 tells us, and we know from the writings of Josephus that it was Moses who led the Egyptian forces south against Ethiopia, against the land of Cush. He defeated them, he crushed them, and we also know that while he was there, he was given a woman to marry. The Ethiopian king gave him his daughter. When Moses went home from that victory, he came home with a wife. And this is why we're told in the book of Numbers later that Miriam and Aaron did not like his Cushite wife. When he finally married Zipporah, Zipporah was his second wife after he had left Egypt behind. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. That's why there was a conflict between Zipporah and his Cushite wife. There were problems in the family. But that's who Moses was in his background. But let's continue. The Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven twenty four by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The word refused means to disown, to deny, to reject, to renounce. It depicts a person who walks away from something. He walked away from it. He walked away from privilege and power. He would be the next Pharaoh of Egypt. And the Bible says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The word choosing, the Greek word hireo, means to make a choice that sets you apart into a different category. My friend, when you make a right choice, it gives you a distinction. This gave him distinction. And wait, it goes on to say, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, the word enjoy is really the Greek word for benefits. Imagine the benefits 
of being the heir to the throne. Egypt, my goodness. It was the richest place on the planet. And because he was being raised to be the next Pharaoh and was treated like a god, there was nothing that was denied him. Nothing at all. He was raised as an Egyptian far, far, far from the people of Israel. But at the age of 40, we're told in Acts chapter 7 that he had a desire. It came into his heart. That's what it says. To visit his brethren in Goshen. Came into his heart. This is the Greek word anabio. Something that is right. Something that is <coughs> rise in his heart. I'm sure he had not seen his own people for 35 years. I'm sure that when he came into Pharaoh's house, they created a strict border to make sure he never identified with them again. But suddenly, something began to rise in his heart. I've got to go see my people. It was the call of God began to well up inside him. And sometimes when the call of God begins to wake up in you, you don't even know what it is. You just begin to feel something. You begin to feel different. Something begins to stir inside you. And Moses just had to go see. And when he got over into the land of Goshen and saw how his people were being cruelly treated, beaten with rods, oh, he was deeply disturbed. And he saw an Egyptian who was mistreating two Hebrews. And the Bible says Moses killed him and hid him in the sand. Well, guys, why did he hide him in the sand? He was Moses. He could kill anybody. He could do anything he wanted to do. Why did he hide him in the sand? Because he was so shocked by his behavior. He did not even know why he killed the guy. He didn't know these Hebrews. Why in the world did he do this? Because a deliverer was waking up inside him, was waking up. He fled into the land of Midian. He chose to be affiliated with the people of God, renounced who he was, went to the land of Midian. And when he got to the land of Midian, he was still so Egyptian that when Jethro's daughters saw him, they knew he was an Egyptian. He had never met Jethro, didn't know one of those girls. He was in a land he'd never been in in his life, but he saw seven girls being harassed by nomadic shepherds. And all of a sudden, again, it's like something was rising up inside him. I've got to deliver these girls. And he went over and defended those girls. And when the girls reported to their parents, they said, an Egyptian delivered us. That's the word. A deliverer was being born inside Moses. But Moses didn't know what was going on. And for the next 40 years, he wandered around the wilderness. I'm sure he thought, man, what a life I had. Here I am for 40 years. Primarily, he fellowshiped with sheep and goats, living like a nomad. It's just as amazing to me. But the Bible says in Hebrews 11:26, he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had recompense unto the reward. Oh, the word esteem means to deem. He had to make a decision. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do it. I understand that God has told me to do, and it may not have been totally clear, but he was walking in all the light that he had. And the Bible says in verse 26, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. Mm, when the Bible says respect, guess what, Maxine? It's the word apobalo. 
It means to lift your eyes and look in the distance. He was looking into the future when God would recompense him for doing his best to stay on assignment. The word recompense describes reward moving in your direction. He knew payday would eventually come. He would not end up just as a shepherd on the backside of the wilderness. Payday would come and God would reward him for doing his best to walk out his faith. Hmm. Our time's up and I talked the whole time. I'm so sorry, guys. Did you learn anything new? Rick, I think you left out one thing that's so powerful. Tell me. Well, it's in, it's in verse 27. Read it. And it's always touched my heart for a long time. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, endured. as seeing him who is invisible. You know, for, for us... God is invisible. He was invisible for Moses. He's invisible for us. We don't see him. But we keep enduring, looking unto him who is invisible. He is the payer. Hallelujah. He is the paymaster. You Hallelujah. Keep your eyes on him. Amen. And do what the invisible one has asked you to do. Paul, you have any comments? Oh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing it. Oh, you're welcome. Maxime? Amazing teaching. And like uh, your producer, Sasha, said, Moses becomes a real person. He becomes so real. Well, I've did 10 programs on this, so I just barely touched on it. I can hardly wait for that to be on TV. But when we come back tomorrow night, we're going to continue in Hebrews chapter 11. But if God's asked you to do something, do it. God will protect you. He'll anoint you. He'll lead you. The call of God will wake up in you and become clearer and clearer and clearer with every step you take. But go to bed right now and sleep on Psalm 4.8. It says, I'll lay me down in sleep and peace, and the Lord will keep me, and we'll see you tomorrow night in Home Group. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.